0: So, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 22 to 35, um, page 1047 of the Pew Bibles. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go and tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look. Your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right, thanks, Jock. Um, So uh, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit about doors. Doors. Uh, And then we're going to do, we've got a couple of little contests, so if anyone hasn't volunteered already, maybe be thinking about whether you want to volunteer, and if, you know, perhaps. Um, uh, And then we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus said about these doors. Um, But first, let me pray. Uh, Lord God, we come before you as you reveal yourself to us in these words as you reveal yourself to us in Scripture and in Jesus Christ, your Son. Speak to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about doors. Is there a presser around here somewhere? I might need someone to advance me along. Or is it... Ah, Tom's got it. Brilliant. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I want to talk about doors. Have we got any doors to go on the screen? <laughs> ah, lovely. Some doors. Doors. There's lots of different types of doors, aren't there? What kind of doors can we think of? Front doors? Back doors? Side doors? Fire doors? Shop doors? Pardon? Car doors? Yeah? There was a thing on Radio 1 a while back where they were trying to work out whether there were more doors in the world or wheels in the world. You can think about that for a while if you get bored of what I'm saying, that's fine. Um, there's so many different types of doors, the doors that we use to come and go, the doors that we use for our pets, the doors we use for tradespeople, the doors that maybe we use for special occasions, although you have to have quite a big house just to have a door for special occasions. And there are sometimes there are the doors which are used to remind us how important the people who pass through them are. Can anyone think of any impressive doorways? The (laughs) Because you're so important. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Uh, The church has got a big door. There are are big impressive doors around. The one that I, I was trying to think about this, the best I could think of was this one. Anyone know where that is? Anyone been there? This is the Pantheon in Rome, and it was a temple, or yeah, a pagan temple dedicated to all of the gods of Rome. Uh, And it's now a Christian church. It became a Christian church in the uh, 600s, I think. So it's been it's been there a good long while, and it's got a really big, impressive door. And the best thing about this door is it's the same door that was there. In the first century not long after Jesus was around on earth there's the big impressive door it would have been gold Um, and it says this building and the people inside it and the people who pass through these doors are very important and it's quite intimidating, isn't it, just standing there? So those are really, really, really ancient doors. Um, there's a few other doors that I can think of. There's this one on the left you might recognize. And I have no doubt that there will be at least one bit of news coverage in the next couple of days where they say, someone has taken the keys to number 10 Downing Street. They are stepping through the doors for the first Time And that door symbolizes a whole lot, doesn't it? And then the one on the right, uh, I feel like someone's trying to tell us something about how important they are. Um, It's Trump Tower, in case you can't read it. Um, (laughs) Instead, Jesus describes something that's a little bit more like this one. I know that my daughter can tell you what story this is from. Can anyone tell me? Yeah. In case you're missing it, this is when Winnie the Pooh gets stuck in the hole getting out of Rabbit's house. And the hilarious thing is that Rabbit's got a perfectly big front door on the other side of the house, but somehow Pooh decides to use this one. Um, But I think maybe the one that Jesus is talking about is a little bit more like this one. Does anyone know where that one is? Maybe you've been there. This is the entrance to the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. This is one of the most significant religious sites in the Christian world. And it's got this tiny door that you have to bow down if you want to go into it. I think maybe this is what Jesus is talking about. Something that's a little bit humbler. This is the door to the kingdom of God. Now, when we hear the phrase, the kingdom of God, we might, our minds might jump to thinking about heaven, the doors to heaven, because we're so used to thinking about the kingdom of God as where we go when we die. But actually, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's not just talking about something that we can look forward to. He's talking about something which is here among us now This is God's new world, breaking through into our world. The reality of God's goodness and God's hope for humankind in the world around us now. And we can be part of it. We just have to step through this small door. It's about being part of God's healing, God's saving, God's reconciling work the door is maybe a bit obscure and unassuming. In fact, we might say that the door is Jesus Christ himself. So I want to uh, take a moment now. I couldn't think of a way. I thought about trying to make some narrow doors that we had to squeeze through. And I couldn't work out quite how to make that work. So I decided we'd do a really low door instead. Who wants to come and be part of my small door limbo? Yeah? OK, we've got one volunteer. Anyone else? How low can you go? We're going to come and do it over here, I think, because there's a little bit more space. Do you want to come and join me? Fantastic. Anyone else? Oh, all right. I can see you sneaking around. Come on. It's so, all right. OK, I'm going to hold the pole. You, you can choose. How low, how low do you want this pole to go? Re- oh, really? OK. Back on. Oh, I, feel, I see some hands touching the floor there, but I'm going to let it pass. Very good. Amelia, yeah. do you want to come and have a go? Where do you want it? Same here? Do you want to go lower? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. OK. Hey, very good. Thank you very much. It's a funny way of deciding who gets to go through and who doesn't, isn't it? Seems a little bit unfair. Although one of my colleagues used to say, God doesn't do fair. Because Jesus is talking about a door that doesn't operate by the normal rules. You see, there was this big discussion about who was in and who was out. Uh, I can remember a, pla- a chant from my uh, school days. Now, I don't know if this was exclusive to one particular primary school in Norfolk in the early 90s, or whether this is something that's a bit more universal. But we used to say, join on the line if you want to play. We'd say it. But in Leicestershire, apparently, you say, "tig," tag. Tig? Oh, TIG, ooh. Let's see. Playgrounds are weird. Great. Join on the line if you want to play Tig. And then sometimes we'd add on some caveats like No Girls. Or if people were feeling mean, or oh, Matthew. Kids can be mean, can't they? But those formative moments where we decide who's in and who's out, who gets to join in, who doesn't, they really shape us. And as we get older, maybe it's not about who gets to play TIG. It's about who gets to feel like they belong. And I don't think we ever really shake it off. As adults, there's there's the question of where do you live? What car do you drive? Do you drive a car at all? What newspaper do you read? Who do you vote for? How successful are your children? Are you in the right club? And the religious leaders of Jesus' time spent a lot of time and energy arguing about who was in and who was out. Some people thought that all of the Jews were going to be saved. But certainly no one beyond that. And others argued that it was only their small group who were the inheritors of all the promises to Israel. And someone is trying to draw Jesus into that argument because it's so tempting, isn't it? We love that who's in, who's out argument. The Judean People's Front or the People's Front of Judea. Jews and Gentiles, Protestants, Catholics, conservatives, liberals... When I speak to people who are not part of the church and start trying to explain to them why there are so many different types of churches with so many different names, they just look at me like, hold on, I thought you were all following the same Jesus. But it's so tempting for us to confidently declare that we are the true inheritors of the kingdom and that other people aren't. It can make us feel so comfortable in the safety of our own reassurance, our own uh, assumptions that we shut ourselves off from the rest of the world. Or it can give us this sort of assimilate or die kind of mentality. You must be like me or you don't belong anywhere. But Jesus doesn't get drawn into that kind of thinking. What, when he's asked, will everyone be saved? He doesn't say what the man wants him to say. The man wants him to say, oh, it's your group. Of course, your club are the ones who are saved, no one else is. just your club. And he also doesn't say, oh no, it's fine, it's fine, you don't need to worry, you're all going to be just fine. He doesn't even say, leave the club that you're in and join my club, come and be one of my disciples because they're the only ones who will be saved. He says, make every effort because the door is narrow." Literally agonize, struggle, fight for it. Don't get complacent. Don't trust that because you are in the right club and you hang out with the right people, you can saunter into the kingdom. Instead, the question question Jesus has for people is, do you know me? Do you know me? And there's this scary point where Jesus says, you ate... And you drank with me. And you had me teach in your streets. But I don't know you. Is it possible that we can turn up to church and we can join in with the songs and we can say the words and listen to the teaching, but we don't know Jesus? You see, all of those things are good. All of those things point the way to Jesus. But they are not the relationship with Jesus. And we need to make every effort to know Jesus. Not just to know about Jesus. Don't just learn all of these different, like, learning all of those illustrations is a good achievement, Tom. Well done. But it's not the same thing as knowing Jesus. Jesus is the door, Jesus is the way to the kingdom. And I don't want you to worry. This isn't about, oh, actually, turns out you thought you were in, but you're not. This isn't about striving. It's actually about letting go of all of those other things that we're striving for and allowing ourselves to be embraced by the love of Jesus Christ, which in time will allow us to abandon the faithfulness to those clubs that we think we're in and to trust in him instead. OK, we're going to have another, another competition now. Anyone else? Do you want to come and join in? Yeah, of course you do. Anyone else? Yeah? OK, good. This one's a race. Who's good at racing? Yeah? OK, we've got two. Anyone else? We can have as many as we like. OK, I want you to start. We're going to start here next to this pillar. Now, there's a, this is a race with a test. This is a, come on. come on me. This is a slow motion race. All right. So the last person to get past that pillar wins. But if you stop moving, you're out. OK, and I need everyone else to be watching, because we can't have anyone just stopping moving. This could take a while. I might just go and uh, have a coffee or something while we're doing it. OK, everyone else, cheer them on on your marks. Get set, slow. Oh Keep moving. Don't stop moving. Oh, there's some good shuffle. There's a good shuffling tactic there. Keep your feet moving. Yeah. Yeah, let's make the finish line here, because otherwise we'll be here all day. I'm sorry if that upsets your strategy. In fact, I know what I can do. Here we go. I'm going to put my stick down on the floor. Keep going. Everyone's eyes on them. Like the cheers have dried up. Let's keep cheering. on. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are halfway. Oh, hang on. We've got some fast movement here. Don't stop. <laughs> oh, oh. All right, we're nearing the finish line. Someone's going to be first. Someone's going to be last. Who's it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a winner. Well done. Well done. Great. Jesus says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Those who find themselves at the back of the queue get priority over all of those people who thought they were at the front. Um, We went on holiday a couple of weeks ago, and I'm slightly ashamed to say that we paid for speedy boarding. Sorry, we were those people. Um, But sometimes... We think that uh, maybe we can pay a little bit of money and it will get us to the front of the queue. You can do that at Alton Towers, can't you? You can pay and you can skip all of the queues. And it's horrific. You're standing there. You've been queuing for three hours, and someone else just goes And this this is like the opposite. This is like all of the people who think they've got speedy boarding who think they're signed up, who think they're sorted, are stuck and they have to wait while they are passed by all of the people who didn't even think they were going to Alton Towers today anyway. It's like you've gone out and found the people whose flights have been cancelled or delayed or have redirected to the wrong places and said, no, it's okay, you go, everyone else can wait. It's a remarkable picture of the grace of God. And you can see it in how Jesus spent his time on earth. He spent his time with all of the wrong, the inconvenient people at inconvenient times. So the final thing I want to draw attention to is where Jesus was heading. Because right at the beginning of this passage, it says that he was on his way to Jerusalem. And when Luke says he was on his way to Jerusalem... He's not just saying, oh, this is the day that Jesus went shopping in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place that all of Jesus' ministry was heading towards. Everyone was looking to see what would happen when he, this immovable object, hit this unstoppable force of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of their religious world, and Jesus was upsetting a few people, and it wasn't going to go very well when he arrived there. He's told in this passage that he is heading to his death, that Herod wants to kill him. And he says, well, tell Herod, tell that fox, I'm going anyway, because he's committed to his course. He's committed to his message. He's committed to his people. And that means that he is committed to the cross. So when Jesus calls us to follow him, ultimately he's calling us to follow him on that same journey through the cross. This is the way to the kingdom. We may not die on the cross or on a literal cross, some people have, but in Galatians 2 Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We are called to give up ourselves, to die to our old selves, and to live into this new way of the kingdom through Jesus. If it is a race, it's not a race to raise ourselves up, to associate with the right people, to be seen in the right places, to pass through the big doors. This is a race to be among the last and the least, to let go of ourselves and to respond to the words and the life of Jesus. The kingdom of God is among you. It's made up of all of those people who aren't welcomed through the big doors, Big doors which won't get you very far anyway is made up of people just like us, so long as we are willing to give up our lives for the sake of one another as we respond to the Jesus we have encountered. Make every effort to know the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are the way to the kingdom and that however narrow, we can join with you. We can give up the clubs, the life that we maybe hope for, and instead we can join you in your great act of healing and saving and reconciliation. Be with us as we seek to pass through that narrow door. In Jesus' name, amen.